Uh, just want to open up with a word of prayer and as you're turning there. Again, Father, as we open up your word, we invite you, Lord, to speak, Lord, to speak by the power of your Holy Spirit in each of our lives, to quicken, Lord, your word, to bring to remembrance all the promises that are ours today. Uh, Lord, thank you that we can pray for one another and we can pray for healing. Thank you that we can pray for, Lord, the nation of Israel, clear around the world and know that you hear our prayers. And Lord, we're doing exactly what you've called us to do. We're reminded, Lord, as your word declares, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that they may prosper who love you and peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, peace be with you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. And Lord, we do that. Uh, Lord, we seek the good of Israel. And thank you, Lord, for the scribes. Lord, thank you for those that painstakingly, uh, Lord, made sure that every jot and every tittle, Lord, was right. So that we have a Bible today that we can hold on to. We don't worship the Bible. We worship the word of God, Jesus. That's who we worship. And thank you, Lord, that we have a Bible that points directly to you that there's none other. We're not looking to any other. God, thank you that you are Jesus. You are the promised Messiah who's come into this world to save us from our sins. And we pray for, Lord, the nation now of Israel, that God, you would put up a hedge of protection about them and then, Lord, use the church to minister your life and your love. We thank you for your word today. That'll speak to us. And Lord, may we not just be hearers of it, but may we be doers of it as well. May it bring about the change that you desire as we set our hearts and our minds on loving you and serving the world in which we live. And so we thank you for this day. Thank you again that we could pray for Freddie and Nora and just again, be their comfort, be their strength today. We thank you so much for them and lift them to you. And anyone, Lord, here in the sanctuary in our church family that's hurting, that's suffering today, Lord, thank you. Remind them that you're a God who does miracles. You're a God who heals. And Lord, with excitement and joy, God, we open up your word and invite you to speak to us now as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Acts chapter 3, I'm picking up again back in verse 9, go back a little bit from uh, last week. I titled this morning's message, uh, Seize the Moment and Not the Day, because uh, this is really, when you think about, gosh, here's Freddie this morning. It, it's not about, you don't remember years of your life, but you'll remember moments. He was talking about specific things, moments in life that stand out. And uh, we see that uh, last week in the book of Acts as Peter and John were on the way to the temple for the third hour of prayer. It reminded me of an old saying, and Anthony had brought it up this last week, and it came to mind with regard to what Peter and John were doing, and that the quote was this, the old saying was, prior proper prayerful planning prevents pitifully poor performance, okay? Prior proper prayerful planning prevents pitifully poor performance. And the reason that came to mind is because here's Peter and John going up to the temple for the third hour of prayer. So that's at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And so they're still focused on the Lord. And what I, what really spoke to me and I shared with you was the fact that here they are at three o'clock, they're going up there to pray. And then Jewish commentators tell us that what takes place during that hour is that first 15 minutes is meditation. You're busy. You're just in the hustle and bustle of life. So you take about 15 minutes and you just meditate and spend the next 30 minutes in petition, petitioning God, pouring out your heart. What are your needs? What are the things that you desire? And then the last 15 minutes of just adoring God, 
praising him and thanking him for his faithfulness and his goodness in our life. And I thought, whoa, that is so profound. And yet, you know, here's Peter and John going up to the temple and you've got a guy that we read in chapter four, he's been crippled, you know, for 40 years of his life and he's begging for alms. And this miracle that takes place really has nothing to do with the faith of the crippled man who's healed. It has to do with Peter's faith. And I love that because sometimes, you know, you don't even have enough faith to believe for yourself. And again, this is the power of the body of Christ. This is the power of the church. That sometimes when you don't even have enough faith to believe for you, guess what? God puts somebody in your life that has enough faith to believe for you. Amen. How many by a show of hands, you've had somebody have faith for you at some time when you didn't even have faith for yourself. And you go, and that's one of the great blessings that we have as the church here today. And like I said, when you look back over your life, you're not going to remember years of your life. You're just going to remember moments. And there's, there are good moments. There's bad moments. There's, but here, Peter, because... He was in tune with God. Again, he was heading to the temple to pray, right? And I shared with you last week from Matthew chapter 17, if you remember. Remember, there was a man who brought his son who was a, an epileptic. And he said that my son has seizures and sometimes he throws himself into the fire. Sometimes he throws himself into the water. And he said, can you pray for him? The disciples prayed and nothing happened. And so this man comes to Jesus and tells him. So the disciples ask him, they said, Lord, why didn't that? We prayed. Why didn't that happen? And basically said, Jesus said, that only comes out by prayer and fasting. And so what we see here in when God does many of the miraculous things, it's because people are prepared. Their hearts are attuned. It's not that God doesn't want to do a miracle in my life and your life. Many times we're just not attuned to the fact that God does. And so I was reminded of a story that I heard once and it was, took place in, in Jerusalem. There was, during the time when there was terrorist bombings, you had suicide bombers and there was a gentleman, he was speaking at a congregation. He was a Messianic Jew. And he was sharing his testimony for Jesus Christ. And he said he was walking down the streets of Jerusalem and he heard a voice that said, go in the bookstore. And he said he just kept walking and he said, and then he heard it again and it was louder. And the voice said, go in the bookstore. And he looked up to his left and there was a, a sign above the door. It was a bookstore. And he said, so he really didn't know what to do. So he opened the door and he walks inside. And he stands there for a second and the owner of the bookshop, he says, can I help you? And he says, and about that time, all of a sudden there was an explosion and it was about two doors down. It was a suicide bomber and it was in a, it was an open air cafe there in Jerusalem and people were killed. And this man was telling the story. He said, all I can tell you is he said, I was walking down the street and he said, there was a voice that told me to go into the bookstore. And he said, so I went into the bookstore and he goes, and I believe that God spared my life. There was a, a Jewish man who was in the audience that night and he came up to the speaker afterwards and he said, I take offense with the things that you're sharing tonight. And he said, well, why is that? And he said, he goes, are you saying that, that because, so God spoke to you, he told you to go into the bookstore. And he said, yeah, he goes, I believe that with all my heart. And he goes, so you're saying that God, he didn't care about those that perished that day. And he said, I, ca I can't say that. He goes, all I know is he goes, God could have told all of us there. Everyone, even those that perished that day, to go into the bookstore. He goes, all I can tell you is I listened. What God said to them, I do not know. But what I do know, God told me to go into the bookstore, and that I did. 
And really, and I thought, boy, that is so profound because there is a truth in that, that God desires to speak. We sing it in songs, word of God speak, right? Fall down like rain. He's given us his word. His word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. God is speaking all the time, but are we listening? Are we listening to the voice of God? And I love this because I see this in, in, in this story here. Because ministry, a lot of times you, know, you talk to people, they think that this is the ministry here at the pulpit or it's in something at the church. But really ministry is what, what you need to discover because of the person of the Holy Spirit. Remember, the book of Acts isn't about the Acts so much of the apostles. It's about the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the life of the apostles. And that same spirit that was in the apostles is the same spirit that's in you and I today. That should be encouraging to us. And at times you go, well, I wonder why God's not doing anything. You go, it's not that he doesn't want to. Sometimes I think that we're not listening. We're not prepared. Because again, it wasn't the faith of the crippled man that healed him. It was the faith of Peter and John in that moment to believe God. And, and I love that as you study through this. So I would encourage you in this as we're going through this series here in, in the book of Acts is just have this in mind that ministry is not where you're going. Ministry is right where you're at. They were going to the temple, but the ministry was right where they were at there in Solomon's colonnade at that point in time. And what a great reminder for us because we're all going to be in different places through the course of this week. We're going to be around all different kinds of people. And the Holy Spirit is speaking. You know, what he'll say, I have no idea. He shows us in his word the manifestations of his spirit. But the Bible says that can we cultivate faith? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God, right? He's given to each of us a measure of faith. And that uh, be ready, what? In and out of season, right? You don't know when God's going to want to use you. But the key is to be ready at all times. I, I give you this as a definition of a miracle, but it says an event that involves the direct and powerful action of God, transcending the ordinary laws of nature and defying common expectations of behavior. Miracles are extraordinary occurrences that can only be attributed to the supernatural work of God and demonstrate his involvement in human history. So one thing you can say for sure then your salvation and my salvation is what? It's a miracle. It's not humanly possible. You can't save yourself, right? Someone else can't save you. Who can save you? The only person who can save you is God. It's a miraculous thing that God, the God of heaven, the creator of heaven and earth would save us. And that gives you the right. It gives you the privilege to testify of that miraculous work of God in your life. And that's exactly what Jesus wants all of us to be able to do to testify of what is doing in and through us. And as this takes place in Acts 3, I love this about Peter. He does this miracle and immediately he deflects all the glory to God. He doesn't draw anything, any attention to himself, but he stands up in boldness and he shares. Look there in verse 9, it says, And all the people saw him walking and they heard him praising God. This is the man who had been crippled, like I said, for 40 years. And he's immediately standing up. If you read the text there and study it in the Greek, it says Luke here is a doctor. And he's telling us that basically the ankle bones weren't even connected. And literally, he just all of a sudden, he just stands up. And you go, it wasn't humanly possible. They couldn't have done a surgery to fix this. This was beyond repair, but it was a miracle of God. And it says in verse 10, and when they realized that he was the lame beggar, they had seen so often again for 40 years at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade 
where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. So again, the colonnade, better known as Solomon's porch there in the temple. It was a, a double marble column porch. It had a cover over the top of it there on the eastern side, covered the whole eastern side of the temple there. And it's where many of the disciples would gather. It's where the Gentiles, the only place that they could gather there at the temple. And they would meet outside there. And especially at times when weather was bad. And we see that he's holding tightly to Peter. And again, because he desires a couple of things. One, he desires to remain with them. It's not that he's holding them back. He just wants to be with them. He is so excited about this miracle that God has done. He wants to be part of anything and everything that they're doing. It's what did Jesus say to his disciples? Follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men, right? There's an invitation to come along. It, I always pictured the same thing that happened in John 20. I shared this with you last week. Remember when Jesus had resurrected from the grave and he was there at the garden tomb and Mary saw him. She thought he was the gardener, right? And then she says, oh, Rabboni. And so Jesus says, and she's holding on to him. And you can picture this. He says, Jesus says to Mary, don't cling to me. You got to let me go. I got to ascend to heaven. You imagine Jesus ascending to heaven. You get the picture and Mary's still holding onto his feet. You go, he's going, you got to let go. I haven't yet ascended to my father, but it's the same kind of desire. So I'm not let, I'm not letting go. And I love that, the imagery of that. When you experience God in your life, that man, you just go, I am, he's holding on to me, but I'm holding on to him. And then Peter, and this is that thing that I'm telling you about. It's like being sensitive to the Holy Spirit in your life. You're going to get these opportunities. Many of you, I know some of your stories and you get them all the time. And, I, and people go, well, how do you get to, to share all the time? And you go, because you're looking for opportunity to share. You're going, God, my life is yours. Not my will, but what? But thine be done today. That's what we do. We pray when we get up, when we're thinking, okay, Lord, I want to be about your business today, whether it's ministering to somebody in the church or somebody outside the church doesn't make any difference ministry isn't where you're going ministry is where you're at right and man if we could lock in on that what a difference that would make so it says peter saw his opportunity and he addressed the crowd people of israel he said what is so surprising about this he goes why are you guys so surprised and you stare at us as though we had made this man walk in our own power or our godliness he's going hey we're nothing we're nothing. We're just, we're flesh and blood, just like you. You guys know my history and my cowardice that I, I was flaky in my own relationship with Jesus. It's not me. It, it's the Holy Spirit. It, it's Jesus doing this work. But we can say this about Peter. Was Peter ready? Oh yeah. Peter is ready. He reminds me of Brock Purdy. The, I'm not a big 49er fan, but I'm a Brock Purdy fan. This guy's third string goes from third string to being the first string player. And he's, but he, he's, he, this guy's a devout Christian. He loves the Lord. And he's, you know what? Football is just a game. Jesus is my life. And I get to play. Awesome. I get paid either way. <laughs> but, and then it's just so exciting to see this. And so he says, Peter, obviously ready for this to take place. Again, understands faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing comes by what? The word of God. Yeah. So miracles don't save people. People go, oh, if I just saw a miracle, they, oh, we pray this, if they could just see a miracle, then they would all get saved. You go, no, they wouldn't. Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing comes by what? The word of God. Yeah. It's the word of God going forth. And Peter recognizes that. Yes. Does God use the miracle? Absolutely. Because what does it do? It gets people's attention. So you can explain it, right? So you can go, hey, this is what's happening. And this is from here on. In chapter three, 
Peter's explaining to a Jewish audience, okay? This wouldn't work for me and you today. You could read Acts 3 and go, okay, I'm going to try this with my friends. It would fly right over their head. They would have no clue because they have no Old Testament history. They wouldn't know if you said Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're going to go, I, I know a Jacob, but I don't know one. I, do, you, do we know Isaac? Abraham? They would have no clue. But it meant everything to the Jewish audience there, especially because who was his primary audience was he had the Sanhedrin, right? He had Pharisees, he had Sadducees who studied the word, who knew it. And so Peter, is, he saw this opportunity and he seized the moment. And that's the thing I want to encourage you. When you're in the, these opportunities in life, man, seize the moment in your life. And so again, he's telling them, he's going, why are you so surprised? He goes, look back in your history. Who parted the Red Sea? Who caused water to come out of a rock, right? Who brought down manna from heaven, right? Who, who caused you to cross over the Jordan on dry land? He goes, it's the same God. He goes, this shouldn't surprise you, right? So he's, oh yeah, he's reminding them. Verse 13 and 14, he goes on, he says, for it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our, all of our ancestors, who's brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. What he's saying is he wasn't even guilty of anything. He was completely innocent. He wasn't even found guilty of anything. He says, but you rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. So again, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob there, the description obviously familiar to Peter's Jewish audience there. And it stresses to them God's covenant faithfulness, that God is faithful to his promises. And Jesus is the fulfillment of all those promises there. And so in verse 13, especially, he depicts Jesus as God's personal servant, which wasn't that common in the New Testament as it was in the Old Testament. And because they were a Jewish audience, like I said, they would have connected that to the book of Isaiah. There's four servant songs. That word servant would have stuck in their head. Remember, there's no accidents in scripture. When you read something in scripture, it's there for a reason. Jesus, like I said, he goes, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. And he goes, every jot, right? You go, that crossing the eye, every tittle, that every T will be crossed. Everything is there for a purpose. So even that word servant, that would have grabbed their attention. They were thinking of, what did that mean? We look at the servant songs there in Isaiah 42. You might go back and read those, Isaiah 49, Isaiah 50, and the end of Isaiah, and then all of chapter 53 of Isaiah those are four servant songs that refer to the Messiah who is coming. And I'll look, I'll read this to you in Isaiah chapter 53, just verses 10 through 12. Most of us remember this, but it says, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him. So again, he's talking to a Jewish audience about Jesus being the Messiah. He's trying to bring their thought process together, doing what? Using the word of God. Okay. And again, you don't need to try to reason with people. I, I'll sit and I'll listen to somebody trying to convince somebody of something. Go, just let the word of God speak. Just use the word of God. Your thought process isn't going to do a thing for them. The word of God is what will pierce their heart. It's what will pierce their soul. It's what will transform their mind. Isn't that what Paul said? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? 
by the word of God. So look what he says. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and to cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous for he will bear all their sins. Who's he speaking of there? Jesus. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he has exposed himself to death. He was accounted amongst the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. Yeah. And what did Jesus say from the cross? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, right? Jesus, John 6, 38, he says, for I've come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me not to do my own will. John 8, 28 and 29, Jesus said, and when you have lifted up the son of man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. I do nothing on my own, but say only that which the father taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me for I always do what pleases him. Jesus, the servant of God. Peter was making that connection in their hearts and minds. Again, in what Peter is, is telling them, he goes, but you crucified him. And he's not making an accusation. What is he doing? He's telling them what he witnessed. He saw it. He's an eyewitness that they crucified the son of glory. Verse 15, it says, and you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this fact. He says, you killed the son of the prince of life. It, it, this statement there in, in, in verse 15, it's not just amazing, but it, it's uh, paradoxical. It, it's the, he's, the Greek word there is archaeagos, and it means the originator of life. Okay, that's a very unique statement. He, and they, G, Peter's saying, you killed the originator of life, but God raised him from the dead. And he goes, and we're witnesses of that fact. And it's through that man through the man, Jesus Christ, that this man, this, this crippled man has been healed. And they go, how could that happen? You go, because Jesus is alive. Amen. Jesus is alive today and he still heals people today. Verse 16, it says, through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Is there power in the name of Jesus, church? Do you, do you really believe that? To use that name in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. There's no other name, again, that has that kind of authority. Like I said, we, our world today goes, I, you need to try to be an influencer. No, I don't want to be a person of influence. I want to be a person of authority, right? And that's what you can be as a believer, as a Christian, as someone who's placed their hope and trust in Jesus, to be able to pray for people and in the name of Jesus and to have that authority. What a powerful thing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Who told us that? Jesus. He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Man, Ephesians 1, 21 through 23 puts it like this. Speaking of Jesus, he says, Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Nobody compares to him, right? Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. That's me and you. 
And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Man, what a wonderful portrait of who Jesus is. And again, just a reminder, it wasn't the man's faith that healed him. It was Peter's faith. And faith is what? It's a gift from God. God gives us a, a measure of faith and we can add to that. But then there's manifestations of that faith. Acts 4.12 says, There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. Power in that name. Verse 17 goes on. It says, Friends, I realize that what you did and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. Man, is Peter being kind there? Because you killed the Son of Glory. He goes, but you did it in ignorance, right? There, there's a tenderness about what Peter is doing. He's not defending their actions, but he understands himself full well how easy it is to get Jesus wrong. Had Peter ever got Jesus wrong? Absolutely. Absolutely. Peter had a habit of not understanding what Jesus was doing. And so he could sympathize. He could empathize with them. And so he was offering them grace. He was showing them tenderness there. The very thing that Jesus did, like I said, from the cross, Luke 23, 34 says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That same kind of heart. That same kind of heart. Verse 18 says, but God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. And like I said, Peter had misunderstood that himself, right? He tried to convince Jesus that the cross wasn't necessary, but the cross was never a mistake, church. The cross was never a mistake. It was always part of God's prophetic plan. Jesus said in John 10, 18, he says, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to. And I also can take it up again for this is what my father has commanded. God's in control. Verse 19, he says, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. You remember when John the Baptist began his ministry, what was the first thing that he said? Repent, repent and be baptized. He was calling people to turn. Remember what is repentance? It's to turn from your way of thinking, my way of thinking to God's way of thinking. It isn't just turning to something else, but it's turning from your way to God's way. And we should be repenting every single day day of our life. That's not something we did when we just came to Christ. It's what we do. We lean not, as Proverbs says, right, on our own understanding, but in all our ways, we, what? We acknowledge him and he will direct our path. It's living in what? Submission to Jesus' authority by the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. I was like Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will restore their land. Verse 20 says, And then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. You ever taken a shower and just gotten clean? Most of us. Okay, thank you for that rhetorical question. Have you ever taken a shower and got clean and also felt completely refreshed? There can be a difference, can't there? You can get in and just get clean, right? But man, there's that. There's those times when you go, 
man, this was just refreshing, right? And that's what God wants to do. It's not that we're just clean, right? If we confess our sin, right? John writes, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. But then there's this time, he says, of refreshment that God wants to bring in our life. And again, the name of Jesus here uh, is equivalent to Messiah, and who had been proclaimed to the Jews as the one who was about to come. So it's important to understand Peter's making the connection, the Messiah that they are looking for to Jesus Christ who had come and will come again. Verse 21 goes on, it says, for he must remain in heaven until the time of the final restoration of all things as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. See, the Jews thought that the Messiah was going to just rule and reign on earth forever. They didn't have any concept of him being in heaven at all. It didn't, that was foreign in their way of thinking. And it was a common, like I said, understanding that he would just simply reign on earth. It's important then to see that in Acts chapter one, verse nine, what do we see? We see Jesus ascending back into heaven. He did it where they could see it because he wants us to understand and know it wasn't just the disciples. It was everybody who was there. There was non-believing Jews that saw him going into heaven. Everybody who was out saw him going back up into heaven in that moment in time. And again, God's got a plan. And what's that plan? During this period of time, we see it in the book of Acts. We're about ready to get there. Gentiles are going to start being saved. Remember, the plan of God's salvation was first to the Jew, then the Gentile. That's why this wouldn't make much sense to a Gentile, what I'm reading here right now, because the plan of salvation was first to the Jew. But the Jewish audience, they'd make perfect sense of this because they had a great understanding of, say, they had a good understanding, not great, because if they had a great understanding, they would have seen Jesus as the promised Messiah. But they knew enough that every time Peter's bringing something up, he's making this connection between the Messiah that they were looking for and Jesus who had come into this world. Uh, verses 22 and 23, it says, Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from amongst your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. Then Moses said, anyone who will not listen to the prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. And so here's Peter quoting again, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 19. And he's basically walking through this situation and helping them understand that God will protect the people from following other false religions, the diviners that would come along and try to trick the people. And he would do that by, again, commissioning a prophet to direct and to counsel the people. And again, the Jews were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for a Messiah prophet. And again, and think about that term, Messiah prophet. They were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for a prophet. And Jesus Christ is that person. So you remember, again, when John the Baptist is baptizing by the Jordan River, what did they ask him? They said, hey, are you Elijah? Why did they ask him? They asked him if he was Elijah because they understood that Elijah comes what? Before, again, the Messiah comes. And then the second question, if you remember this, they said, are you that prophet? No, they weren't saying, not Elijah. That, that was the other question that they asked. But they were saying, are you the prophet then? Because they understood this from Deuteronomy 18, that Moses predicted that the Lord will raise up another prophet. So we see that later in scripture when Philip found Nathaniel in John chapter one, he says, we found the one that Moses and the law foretold of, right? Jesus of Nazareth, right? Remember that? And then their response, remember that? What, what was their response? Jesus of Nazareth, can anything good, what? 
come out of Nazareth. They're going, that prophet can't come out of Nazareth. So they were looking for the Messiah prophet. That's why those statements are there. And then and Peter's making the connection. So it's like this. Do they, all of a sudden they start, it's, oh, they're having an epiphany at this point. Verse 24 goes on, it says, and starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what is happening today. So Samuel was the other prophet who spoke about the coming of the Messiah besides Moses. Uh, Psalm 99, 6 says, Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also called on his name and they cried to the Lord for help and he answered them, okay? So he, Peter, what's he doing? He's just using the word of God to draw them along. He's using the word of God to bring them in because they had a knowledge of the word of God. In verse 25, it says, and you are the children of those prophets and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all the families on the earth will be blessed. He wasn't talking about literal children here. He's talking about disciples or pupils or followers. That was common for the Jews, obviously, to speak of fathers and sons being disciples and so forth and so on. That's why they make the connection of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, what? The son of David, the son of Abraham. They, they connect this family. Family was important to the Jews then. It's important to the Jews today. And so he made this promise, obviously, to Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. You read there. And so here, Paul points out the same thing in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 15, that all the nations can become a family in Jesus' name. So what are they doing? They're taking the connection, Peter is, to the Jews who go, oh, we see everything family, right? We're, hey, Abraham's our father. Remember, they claim Abraham's our dad. And here, Paul is going, but because of Jesus, we can all come into the family of God. We can all be God's children because to be a children, a child of Abraham is what? A child of faith, right? That's what it is to be a child, a true child of Abraham. It ends with this in verse 26 in chapter 3. It says, when God raised up his servant Jesus, he sent him first to you, you people of Israel to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. Again, who did Jesus come to first and foremost? to the Jew, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He came to his own, what did John write? And his own what? They knew him not. Yeah, they, they missed it. But God in his grace and his mercy, hopefully they don't miss it when he comes again. But Luke 24, 47, it says this. It says, it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to tell all the nations beginning in Jerusalem that there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Because what's God's desire? He says to bless you. What does that word bless means happy? God wants to make you happy. Yeah. Happy is the man whose Lord is God. Happy is the, the one who puts their hope and their trust in the Lord. Many of the Jews have missed it, but thank God he's opened our eyes to see it today. Amen. We have so much to be thankful for. To look at the word of God, to repent, to quit thinking our way and go, God, I want to think your way. We can do that even today. You know, quit living life on our terms. Start living life on his terms. And to understand really what the writer of Hebrews would remind us, where the Jews missed it, our prayer is that we don't. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, it says, Long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son, 
God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, He created the universe. Everything is His, and it belongs to Him, even you and I. Our lives aren't our own. And to live each day, like I said, I love that thought going into this week. Anthony shared that prior proper planning prevents pitifully poor performance. To be so in, in tune with God in the course of our day. And so I want to encourage you with that as we close today. Is that we need the Holy Spirit. And thank God that he sent the Spirit. That we have the Holy Spirit not only to, to save us. To seal us, to be within us, to comfort us, to direct us, but to empower us. To have that power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, available to us. I don't know what God wants you to do this week. I don't even know what he wants to do in my life this week. But the beauty of it is his mercies are new every morning, right? And great is his faithfulness is to wake up every day and to seek his face and say, Lord, I want to walk with you today. I want to go where you want me to go. I want to talk to who you want me to talk. That's exactly what Jesus did as God, that he, he subjected himself to the will of the Father and that we would do that to the person of the Holy Spirit, that we'd go, I want to be led by God's Spirit in this life. And he will never lead you astray. He will never lead you to a place, as Pastor Chuck Smith used to say all the time, whatever God brings you to, he'll see you through, amen? And that you would trust him. And, and that takes faith. We walk by faith and not by sight, amen? But just to think that God in our lives this week, and I love this story because the lame man, he wasn't healed because of his faith. He was healed because of the faith of Peter. And you have faith today, and I have faith today, and may God use the faith that we have to bless and to serve and to care for and to bring healing to a world that needs it desperately this week, amen? And so let's ask the Lord, oh God, fill us up, send us out, amen, uh, to be about your business this week, we pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for, again, the privilege we have to study it together. Thank you for a Sunday like this where we could minister to people that can't even be here with us. And we, again, we thank you for Freddie and Nora today and pray that God, you just is what you're doing. Just even as I'm praying this, I'm reminded of it, that ministry isn't where you're going, it's where you're at. And I know Freddie just sharing from home today has ministered to many that are here today because God, you'll use us right where we're at. You'll use us not because we're in great shape or things are going perfectly in our life. You can use us in the midst of our weaknesses as well. And Lord, thank you for just that reminder today. And Holy Spirit, we invite you. Fill us up even now. Send us out, Lord. Send us to the people that need you most. And Lord, may we point people to Jesus this week. That's our hope. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, I'll invite you to stand.